Welcome to episode four of the Board Shorts podcast, where I share information and musings on life in the boardroom in 30 minutes or less. My name is Lisa Cook, and I'm the founder and managing director of Get On Board Australia, an online resource for new and aspiring company directors and board members. Get On Board Australia delivers education, information, tools, and resources to help you survive and thrive in the boardroom. You can find us at getonboardaustralia.com.au or have a look at our online course that we deliver to help you get up to speed with what you need to know in the boardroom as a new or aspiring director at boardroombootcamp.com.au. Now today I'm talking with Shelley Rogers. Shelley is an organizational psychologist who helps organizations and individual clients to achieve their goals through making better decisions and taking control of their lives. Shelley uses a wide range of evidence-based psychological techniques to do this and regularly runs a workshop called From Mates to Managers. Shelley is also the chair of the Australian Psychological Society in South Australia. Now, Shelley and I always have wonderful conversations when we tend to run into each other around town in Adelaide at the various events we go to. However, I was compelled to have this particular conversation with Shelley based on a recent incident where a board member has brought a bullying case to the Fair Work Commission against another board member and senior manager within the business. And you guys can check that out in one of the latest blog posts, Bullying in the Boardroom, that's on the Get On Board Australia website, which talks all about it. The end result is that the Fair Work Commission found that company directors are indeed classified as workers for the purpose of anti-bullying laws under the Fair Work Act 2009 and can now apply for stop bullying orders, including around the boardroom table. So a conversation like this is really timely, given that Discussions around the board table can get a little heated sometimes and some issues can become quite contentious. I thought this was perfect to invite Shelley along to come on the show and talk about the ways in which you can use different strategies and approaches when the conversation gets a little prickly on your board so you can stop it from becoming nasty. Thanks for joining me, Shelley. It's a pleasure, Lisa. Let's get into it. Now, there's a tendency for those in positions of power to get stuck using dominating and controlling approaches when dealing with conflict, particularly in the boardroom. What usually brings people to this point? Well, let's start with the proposition that there are lots of different ways that people communicate with each other, and some are going to be more satisfactory than others. Um, And there's a variety of influences that come to that moment of of a communication interchange. There's a genetic component. It's a piece of it and that's a whole other story. There's also a major learned component. What did we get taught? What gets rewarded? Um, Or how are we encouraged to communicate? 
And then there's the unique situations we find ourselves in, the context. So some of the key elements in any communication include what have we learned about conflict and separately to this, how genuinely powerful we feel. I love working with people around their personal power. It's, it seems contradictory, except the more powerful people are, the less they need to throw their power around. And it's almost as if people who truly don't believe that they are powerful, who don't feel their own power deeply inside them, have to throw their weight around in ways that can be construed as being bullying. So getting genuinely powerful about yourself is really important. Then there's something about how we're working together, how independent or how interdependent are we? How much do I need you to help me achieve my goals? And then how cooperative do we need to be to get anything done? Um, or is it about being competitive? And what kind of competitive are we talking about? Are we talking about aggressive competition, which is likely to produce some relationships and interactions which could end up in front of the Fair Work Commission? Or are we talking about really assertive competition where parties of equal power are behaving in respectful ways to each other and still working hard at their goals? Mm. Um, and so I see being in a boardroom as being this high power, highly competitive, highly interdependent situation that if you're not comfortable with your power, mm. if you think it's all about winner take all, then you're likely to end up in, in, a, a, in bullying or very confrontational relationships that aren't going to be productive. Mm. So where would you suggest that people start to get comfortable with their personal power? Um, well, it's a really interesting thing. I work a lot with people about their personal power and beginning to understand their emotions. It's an extraordinary thing. There's a fabulous quote from the uh, poet and novelist Maya Angelou and she says, I have learned that people will not remember what you say. People will forget what you did, but people will remember how you made them feel. And when I work with people to help them, firstly, understand and have a command over their own emotions, not suppress them or negate them, but rather not get swept away by them and then start to understand other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. That is the beginnings of real personal power. Right. It keeps coming back so many times about this whole self-awareness and anyone who's listening who follows what I do uh, on the blog and also sharing things on social media aware that I'm quite sort of very persistent on getting people familiar with self-awareness becoming self-aware because so much of what goes on outside of us is because of what's going on inside of us absolutely Side note. <laughs> so people at the board level you would think have a high level of control over their emotions why do people 
who really should know how to behave end up managing conflict in such detrimental ways? Because they're just human beings like you and I. Um, but it's, it's not right, Shelley. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> that, that, that thing of rightness is really interesting. Um, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But I want to pick up a magic word you said, should. Why should they be able to behave in a particular way better than anybody else? Sure, people who occupy positions in board, on boards, around board tables, they are given power. They've got, they've got organisational power, money power, status power, um, or knowledge power. You might be there because you've got expertise in law or accounting or engineering or more recently marketing. I do hope there are people there who understand people. Um, <laughs> none of that assumes that that gives you the inside track on emotional intelligence. And so that question of... of um, how should they know? Only if they've spent the time learning and developing the capacity to understand how good they really are at communicating with other people. Checking what it is that other people understand them saying and truly listening and working with other people. You, you talked about rights and righteousness and... I tend to do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting, you know, that feeling that you know you're right prohibits the capacity to consider that there might be another point of view that is also valid. And the idea that there might be more than one position that is also valid is an important consideration. And and so decisions around a boardroom table are often about the working out that of the various merits of, and I'm, I know this is a podcast, so I want to go in inverted commas, right? <laughs> What's going to be the most useful? What's going to be uh, achieve the organisation's goals? If you can shift away from who is right to what are our goals, what are our values, what is our ethical stance, then you shift away from should to what is, what is possible and then you can begin to eliminate things that mm. don't meet those, those standards of ethics, those goals, those strategic plans. Mm. And then rights kind of disappear a bit. Mm. But it, it's so difficult because we do think in extremes like that and do fall into the trap that because I feel so strongly that some that I'm right, that that is right and that my view is the only view. And I'm reminded of a great analogy that Susan Scott uses in her book Fierce Conversations and she talks about uh, a beach ball and everyone looking at a different, say it's a multicolored beach ball, everyone looking at the different colors of the beach ball. And from my position, the ball is yellow, but from your position, the ball might be blue. And we're all just coming at 
the situation from our own perspective and not like what you said coming to work towards well what are we trying to solve rather than who's more right and and I think that's that analogy is is perfect and so if we're talking about um, the sorts of skills that really board members do require and in fact I think we all need this. Mm. However, the boardroom is a particular hothouse and and I think that these skills are really important, is the ability to do several things at once. Have Be contented en- enough in your own power that you can put your need to be important, your need to have your piece heard by everybody all the time aside, You need the skill to understand your own emotional responses so that when you can notice that you're perhaps closing off your ability to hear what someone else is saying because you are so keen to say what you want to say, that you can pause and check with the other person what it is they are actually saying. Really great listening. Sometimes I think the single most important communication skill that a human being can develop is great listening. If we all listened fabulously well so that the the person or the people we are talking with know that their emotions and the tangible impact of whatever it is we are discussing is fully understood, a lot of conflict disappears. Mm. So when I think of the, the truly emotionally intelligent board member, they can pause in their own emotional um, stuff and step out and listen because they're powerful enough and listen really well so the other person knows they're being heard. And is skillful enough, and here's a great skill here, to say, ah, perhaps what I'm saying isn't clear enough. What if you understood? Because I may not have been clear. Hmm. It's enormously powerful to say to someone else, I perhaps have not been clear. Mm. Help me help you understand what I'm trying to say because I'm not at the moment obviously clear enough. I know. How many times do we say, you're not understanding me (laughs) when it's actually our own fault for not communicating in the way that is receptive to that other person? I think that is a fundamental um, knowledge that all good leaders, and I don't care whether you're sitting in the boardroom or you're the first level team leader to recognise that when you are communicating to someone else, especially and you have something you want to say, taking responsibility for the way you communicate it and not assuming that just because it's clear in my brain that my words automatically make what's in my brain clear in your brain. You're a different human being. You see the world differently. I need to check that you've heard what I have really meant. 
that's a big part of what I do for mm. a living, is checking that I've understood what someone is truly saying and helping them learn how to check that the people they talk to are are being understood mm. and, and have understood. Mm. So important. And that whole personal responsibility could just be a whole other podcast on its own. Certainly. <laughs> but moving forward, you work to an approach called conflict adaptivity. What is that about? So I so when I work with people, I want to help people do a number of things. I want to help them read a situation better so that they're not blindsided by what might be about to happen. I want them to be able to read other people better so that they're not shocked by someone else's emotional response. I had no idea they'd be so upset. That's reading people better. Um, I want them to have a wider repertoire of skills. There's a fabulous saying, if the only tool you've got is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, you've got to have a broad repertoire of communication skills. And then I want them to feel more secure about themselves so they can resist the, in, the inclination to throw their power around. So the conflict adaptivity model talks about goal interdependence, so getting a sense of um, how, is this my goal or is this one that we actually share? So am I driving my agenda and I trying to force you to do what I want? Or is this something that we want to do together? And that shifts um, how I might approach a situation. I want to get a really good sense of relative power. Now, you'd think that in a boardroom everyone is of equal power, but I don't think that's true. So recognising who genuinely has power and nominal power versus real power, you've got to understand it. You've got to really have a, a fine, nuanced sense of that. So starting again with your own power, if you don't understand your own power, how can you truly understand that nuanced mm. gauging of everyone else's relative power? And it's not always the chair. Yes, it's not always the chair. And different, and, and this is the adaptivity component, different situations will mean that there will be a different shift in power. Sure, yeah. Something politically might have happened in the outside world in the, in the month between meetings or the topic we are discussing is more tightly held by one member of the board than another and that will move the power uh, dynamic around. And then lastly, this is about the relationships between people. How dependent are we? Do we vote as a block? Um, do we? Do I rely on you? Uh, do you rely on me to get things done to be to be understood? And so, un recognizing this array of dynamics, there are different modes of communication that are going to be more effective than others in in different circumstances. So, by teaching people to be flexible and being able to read a situation. Um, read the power, understand themselves and have a wide repertoire of skills, then my clients are far better placed to be able to shift their position, their power position in the room so that other people feel valued, other people get heard 
and that their point of view gets the respect and the airtime that it deserves. doesn't mean that everyone gets absolutely everything that they want, because let's face it, we're not all perfect and we don't have ideas that are necessarily the right idea. However, the difference between getting heard is what we're talking about and having our ideas genuinely considered as distinct from having to fight like tooth and nail or having our ideas out outright rejected. Mm. And so often that's just what people want. They want to be heard, they want to be seen, they oh. want to be noticed and they're quite comfortable with that. Just acknowledge what they're bringing to the table. So many times clients tell me that when they have taken the time to properly listen to and acknowledge the other person or the other people, the issues that they bring to the table often diminish to the point that they are so manageable. The idea of proper consultation. Proper consultation means the people who are being consulted feel they are heard. Mm. And, and that feeling, and I know that whole sort of, oh, this is the hard business, running a board is about numbers and, and all of that. This is about the dynamic of relationships. And if you're going to have warring relationships, you're going to have difficulty having conversations about the numbers. If people feel good about working with each other, then you can be much more honest about the other difficult things. Mm. Mm. So true. So true. So what then is appropriate conflict? Having sat in numerous boardrooms over my relatively short board career, it, it, it's never all rainbows and skittles. Sometimes you do need a healthy debate and an environment where people can appropriately challenge others' ideas. So how do you introduce healthy conflict for better outcomes? So I think that there's a number of things that boards need to do. They need to think about um, encouraging diversities of points of view. Now, when I say the word diversity, people automatically think gender or they think race or so on or class and whatever, so on. And that can be true if you had a, and, and I'm not, here wanting to make lawyers or accountants feel disrespected, but if you have a, a board made up of only of perhaps members of one profession, you're not going to have the same breadth of ideas and perspectives as you might get if you come from a variety of, of points of view. But diversity is also, I mean that in a greater way, I mean diversity in power that you are comfortable with. Groupthink is a real thing. If you have a board that votes yes or no um, in lockstep with each other, you don't have diversity, no matter who's in the room. Um, if you have a chair that speaks and puts their opinion up at the beginning, or, or somebody who asserts in a, an asserting is not the same as assertion, um, so my right, my view is right silences other people, you haven't got diversity of opinion. You don't have real discussion. Mm. So looking at real diversity, tackling board members who silence other board members, 
has to be done in a really serious way. Explore the idea of developing rules of engagement for your board. I think about um, the whole idea of group norms, which is very standard for teams working together at, at different levels within an organisation. Why not at the board level? Armies go into war with rules of engagement, things that are acceptable and unacceptable. Why can't board have a set of rules of engagement? How do we talk to each other? How do we have difficult conversations? What are we going to do when, we've, when, one, when someone says this has passed the point of being acceptable or respectful or reasonable? Mm. What strategies are we going to use? Um, and you don't want to get something into the Fair Work Commission. You no. want to be able to tackle it much earlier. And so part of that is at an individual and also a group level, building, building your skills and getting some really good executive coaching. And I, I'm, perhaps I have a self-interest here in encouraging <laughs> using a, a, a coaching or an organisational psychologist. Why I say that is when I work with people in a coaching, in, in an executive coaching process, Many times, not every time, but many times, the issues that get in the way of them feeling comfortable at expressing and managing their own emotions and their own power are quite um, deeply seated. And the tools that I use come out of a psychology toolbox mm. and not everyone has access to, to that particular toolbox. So, just, so that's my reason for encouraging a coaching or an executive um, or organisational psychologist to be your executive coach. Right, I can see the value in that. So then taking that psychology executive coach hat, what are three things that our listeners can do today to help them better deal with and manage conflict when they're in their boardroom? Okay, well, the first one I thought of was actually... Don't go for the last word. <laughs> yep, I've got problems with that. <laughs> it's such a human thing. When you race in for the last word, when you're disagreeing with somebody, it just negates what the other person has said, especially if you're fighting. And linked to that is, but me no buts. Shakespeare was right, but me no buts. When, when I say to you, Lisa, that was a really interesting point, but I think mine's better. <laughs> I've just completely discounted your point. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's good at all. Um, so that but in the middle of a sentence is just a killer. So they're, they're two that I link together as, as communication killers. So the second point is listen really well. Um, reflect, paraphrase. I think we're very demanding on each other. Um, the 24-hour news cycle has certainly made it very hard for politicians and, and I think board, um, board members as well, CEOs and, and chairs of boards particularly, that they say something and it's treated as if it is the definitive word. There is no opportunity for somebody to think out loud. 
to grow an idea, which really good listening can do. So when you listen well to somebody, you help them explore an idea, which only enriches the conversation and what becomes available. And the other thing that, that, that checking what someone else is actually saying slows you down so that if you're prone to overreact mm. and um, perhaps have some inappropriate or sharp emotional response, it gives you time to get that under control. Mm. I need help with that. <laughs> <laughs> so slowing it down and, mm. and having a standard phrase like... Um, so what I've heard you say is, is that right? Have I got that? Mm. Is a way, is a strategy of slowing that mm. down. But it needs the, it needs that paraphrase and reflection. Yeah, I find taking notes of what someone's saying will help me listen rather than concentrating so much on what am I going to paraphrase back to them <laughs> that I get caught up and I'm not really listening with what they're saying. Is so I take notes. And I, look, that's a really good thing to do. And the, and the other problem that people do is when they're listening to somebody, they're already formulating their reply. Yes. So they have stopped listening. They are thinking they're wanting the last word. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah, I get that. <laughs> and so the third thing I was going to say is just as you want to help the other person know that you have heard them by checking, paraphrasing, reflecting. Don't assume that what you've said, the other person has been able to fully hear and understand. So check it back mm. and own that your communication may not have been clear enough. Mm. Don't assume that if the other person doesn't reflect back accurately, that it's their fault. Oh, huge. It might be yours. Mm. And that's back to that personal responsibility it's piece the, right absolutely. there. Absolutely. Right there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shelley, for your time and expertise. I know there are a number of tips I've taken from there that have illuminated my knowledge gaps that I might have in how I approach conflict not just in the boardroom either it's in the workplace it's with your partner it's with your kids all of these skills will help in all of those areas as well so if someone wants to reach out to you directly how do they get in touch with you well um i have a website uh, www.iod.com.au i have a linkedin profile i look forward to uh connecting with you all on linkedin and uh, you could email me at Shelley, that's S H E L L E Y at I O D dot com dot AU. Perfect. And we'll provide all of those links in the show notes on the Get On Board Australia website. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at getonboardaustralia.com.au forward slash subscribe. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Thank you.